0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, so there's no turning back now unless I stop and then re-record this, but I'm not going to actually do that. So welcome to the 100th episode of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. This is going to be a very different episode, everyone, because right now I'm not introducing a guest to you. This is my first solo podcast and I figured this was quite fitting. This was the time to be able to do it, to celebrate 100 episodes, to celebrate the work that's being done and really to be authentically Honest about what this transition has been like to get to 100 episodes. And the one thing that I think many of you know, especially for those that see my posts on Tuesdays when I'm taping the podcast and getting uh, ready to do the interviews with the guests, is that I absolutely love this process and this format. And I've loved the opportunity to be able to do something like this. And I've had some great support. I've had a wonderful growing audience. To see the numbers growing each and every week and every month has been so fun to be able to see. And I need to thank you, the listeners, for being able to do that, that we can see this podcast really making an impact. And I think what I love is that the guests love the fact that these interviews are long form that they really get to discuss what it is that they're passionate about, the information that they have to share, but that people are sharing it I know that it's growing because I know you the listeners are actually telling people about it and saying oh my god you should listen to this podcast or this guest was really cool or I think it will resonate with you and that's been wonderful to see I've also had amazing support I do want to be able to thank uh, Extension Marketing Pat Whalen for taking a chance on me when I pretty much walked out of the television newsroom and then walked into this new format and was really great to take a and say you have access, you can use the studios, and it's been great to be able to be there each and every week and being able to have the YouTube version and recording there. And then as the podcast was growing. And as I realized that I needed to expand out and that it's important to be able to reach audiences, not just here in Ottawa and experts that are around the world, because we are now recording the podcast with people all around the world. It was great to be able to have John Milkey come in uh, from Blast the Radio. And we used to work together in radio. Well, he was in radio. I was in television. We've talked a lot about how the two sides of the building kind of worked when we were over at uh, the Media Mall at 87 George Street. But great that we've been able to kind of rekindle this friendship. And he's been wonderful to help me out. And then also, one of his colleagues who are kind of someone in the business has been Matt Kundal with uh, the Sound Off Podcast Media Company. And uh, he's been great at letting me know the science behind podcasting, how to get it recognized, getting on all the right platforms, getting the numbers counted. And so I'm in gratitude and in debt to these wonderful people uh, who've been there. And then to Veronica, who has been there for almost every single episode. Uh, she's been the producer over also at Extension. And so she's, she was a great support. I always knew I could look over at her and, and I knew I was on track also when she kind of be laughing or smiling. And so I really want to be able to say thank you. With that being said, I don't know if you can tell, but I am completely out of my comfort zone right now. This is a new experience for me. Even when I was working in television, I was always talking to somebody I was always interviewing someone, or I was talking to my co-host, or I had the director in my ear, and so I was always in a conversation with someone, whereas right now I am sitting solo, talking to myself, essentially, and opening up about, I think, things that are much more personal, much more vulnerable, and things that I wanted to be able to share with you so that you got a better sense of who it is that you're listening to each and every week. I was reminded by two really amazing women in my life. who I've turned to for advice and for guidance and one of them said to me being on TV is what you did but it's not who you are and I've had a really hard time letting go of the person that I was for 20 years and so this has been something that I've really had to work very hard on to accept and to like and to learn about the new me in this process and another friend of mine, so that was that was Kathy Donovan, who, by the way, if you haven't listened to her podcast on happiness, kindness, and forgiveness that I had on a couple of weeks ago, she was great. And Amanda O'Reilly, who actually came just came back with me also from the Awaken a Better You Wellness cruise, and she was actually one of the first people I called when I knew that I wanted to leave television, and I needed sound advice from someone, and I was still, you know, months to go in television. She was one of the first people I... I I started to talk to you about this process, but the other day she said to me, Leanne, she goes, I know you wanna speak, and I know you wanna be on a stage, and I know you wanna be sharing stories and inspiring others, she goes, but the reality is, is that you stopped talking. And that really hit me, because I do wanna be able to share stories, and I am a storyteller, but I've been wanting to be able to tell stories on a much larger scale, and I have been hiding behind my guests. And I love my guests. My God, I think I and I'm really proud of the guests that we have on. But because I'm always so into their stories and into the information uh, that they have to share, I sometimes hide behind them. And I think the reality was is people still need to know that I'm there and that I have a story and that I can speak and be able to share and have the availability to to be a conduit for storytelling, even though I'm experiencing it myself. So those were kind of really two big things that I that I had to listen to as I was heading into this podcast. And what you're going to get out of this, if I tell you is for anyone that's sitting here or listening, and you are going through life, and you are mailing it in, You are living as though it's Groundhog Day. You are uninspired. You are going through the motions. You are wishing for more. You are dreaming about more. You are stuck in your head. You are realizing that you are living with these limited beliefs, that you are judging yourself based on what other people are doing. And all of those things, I was doing the exact same thing for years. And it was a massive wake-up call for me. So how does one go from making a very good salary, like well over six figures. At the time, I didn't realize how good I had it. But someone who's making six figures, who is working in television, who has, you know, notoriety and is at all of the events and is doing everything that people think I should be doing and is hosting the morning show and has been there for 20 years. So how does a person jump off a cliff and think that they're going to succeed. And this is where I'm coming from. This is me 20 years in a job that I was successful at, and I was good at. And so why on earth do people and do we as humans need more? What is it that we're striving for? How do we get more? And I haven't gotten there yet, and I have made a ton of mistakes in doing so, but I have learned so much, and I think this is the process of me trying to be able to share with you some of the things that I've learned, some of the things that scared me, how we deal with fear, how we deal with comparison, how we deal with our egos, and you're going to hear for sure because I know you know I'm going to be bringing it up, but talking about meditation and how that's been the lifesaver for me, so I really want to be able to go there, and I want you to think of this because this was something that I had to think about heading into this podcast is Who do I need to be to start doing the things that I need to do so that I can start to create the life that I want? And I have been living in opposite. I've been saying, once I have, then I can do this. And I can be this. And the problem is, is that I've been going about it backwards. I need to figure out who it is that I need to be. Who is it that I want to be so that I can work and strive to be that person. And I think once that happens, I'll start to be able to create the life that I want. And this has been the, the shift. This has been the change in my mindset as I've been trying to evolve and transform to realize I really need to find out who it is that I'm meant to be. So, it's taken a little bit of a process. It's taken a lot of different lessons and mistakes. And so, that's something that I want to be able to hit on during this podcast. And with that being said, I want you to know that since I was a little girl, I have had a poster on my wall and it said, Do not pray for an easy life, pray to be a strong person. Now, I'm not a religious person, but on this poster was Nadia Comaneci, who is, uh, if any of you know, and I'm dating myself, but a gymnast, she was the first gymnast, Romanian gymnast, to score a perfect 10. And so I was a gymnast, for many of you that know that. And so that poster was on my bedroom wall. Do not pray for an easy life. Pray to be a strong person. I wrote it in Every single journal that I ever had from the time I think I was eight. So any journal, anything that I was writing at the very, the the first you open the book on that opening page, I would always write that in there. I would write it in letters. Um, I would write it in certain things that I knew were important to me. And I will try not to cry. I didn't think I'd start crying less than 10 minutes into this podcast. My goodness. But... I also wrote it on the footstone of my dad's. Wow. Okay, so I can do this. So I also wrote it on the footstone of my dad's grave because I really felt that his life was really very much like that. You know, Everyone kind of has these assumptions of where people come from or what their life was like or how did they get you know where they're at or did they have you know rich parents that kind of allowed them to go to the best schools and then got them in with the top companies and so you know you really sometimes have to reflect on where people come from and I know that I've talked a lot about my mom on this podcast because she was a guest and and a lot of you know that and you know she's you know, coached and created this amazing business as, uh, with Corona Gymnastics School. And as gosh, she's had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of kids in the city go through her program and, and has really had an impact on so many kids and coaches and lives in the city. But I haven't really talked a lot about my dad, but it was important that I wanted you to know that on, that I was able to take that saying and put it there because he was, uh, he was, gosh, he was awesome. And he, for those of you who don't know the story, my dad was 57. He had just turned 57. the day he, when he died his birthday was the day before and he died uh, on the golf course with Tony he had a massive heart attack which was just two weeks before my wedding so it was well that that was a really difficult time but it was uh, you know, I look at certain things, and he worked incredibly hard. He was uh, actually he was a chef. He was a caterer. So when my parents split, when I when, they, when I was nine, uh, he had a catering business. He was amazing in the kitchen. I always told myself I was totally going to learn how to cook when I got married, uh, and that my dad was going to like teach me how to cook. And trust me, I, like I'm great at making salads and chopping vegetables, but I can't still really cook very well. I, spaghetti sauce and chili, those are my two. but. He went through a tons of ups and downs. He was in the restaurant business. He actually, over the course of his life, had five restaurants. And some of you here in the city might recognize some of them. The Vienna Cafe, which ended up being the black tomato for years. And if anyone goes to Darcy McGee's on Elgin and Sparks, that used to be called Bob's Your Uncle. That was my dad's restaurant. So I grew up actually in the restaurant business. But my dad's life was ups and downs and bankruptcy. And so it was all over the map. And so, you know, you look... At certain things. And, and that was definitely an impact in, in the do not pray for an easy life. Just pray to be a strong person, pray to be able to get through adversity and and know that you're strong enough to do it. And so that that was really important to me. And, you know, and there's been a lot of things that have affected me. And so I don't know if it's as I meet guests, and I go through different people, and I have different topics on, they really do affect me. I've had 99 amazing guests on the show. And I don't know if you can hear it in my voice or when you're listening that there's an impact that it has on me. And so while my dad died incredibly young, and I blame certain aspects on myself because I was already into health and wellness. I already was into living a healthy, active lifestyle, eating well. I mean, gosh, i had been an athlete my whole life, but I knew better. I knew better with my dad. And I think sometimes I see other people and other like daughters and fathers. And I just want to say to the daughter, like, make sure your dad takes care of himself. Because I, I was on my dad. And I was almost getting him back into the gym because he was incredibly athletic when he was younger. Um, but he had let it go. And when I was going through all of his things, I found we found like, like packages and packages of a heartburn med- medication, like, you know, like he was swallowing these, you know, the what heptobismal, all that stuff. And I'm just like, my gosh, my dad had probably had all of these tiny little heart attacks without even knowing it, like there would have been issues. And so I think that's why I'm so passionate about getting people to be able to wake up and realize that they need to take care of themselves. Because my dad was constantly talking about what life was going to be like when he was was able to just golf every day and enjoy the life that he had been working for because he was finally kind of back on his feet. And I'm I'm looking at the fact that people are are living their lives to be able to retire or to enjoy things, and you might not get there if you don't take care of yourself. And it was a big wake-up call for me just to enjoy and be grateful for now and take care of yourself now because there is no retirement and there is no golfing in, you know— warmer climates when you're older if you if you're not taking care of yourself now and that was a really big wake-up call for me I just spent way too much time on that but that's okay I could even go into this and I was talking about how guests have an impact on me and I know that you've known the story about my mom but my mom is an Auschwitz you know a child of two concentration camp parents it's is overwhelming the history you know when you when you pass by people and, and to know what they're coming from and you know my my grandfather lost his first wife in in the war at the concentration camp and so my mom has a sister that's from a different mother and you know came back and they're they're living in Budapest in Hungary and comes back from the war having lost the majority of their family and then marries my mom's mom and start to create this wonderful life in Hungary and then the revolution breaks out in 1956, and after a war, they literally pack up with $5 sewn into my mom's jacket pocket, and they escape hungry and, and an escape that was very much, you know, orchestrated right, right out of the movies, like the mom, my, my mom and her dad went in one direction, my aunt and my grandmother, who I never had a chance to meet them, uh went in another direction and, you know, and they're meeting up at different points and they're meeting up and my mom's hiding in a haystack and they're crawling on their bellies in the middle of the night, you know, from Hungary to Austria and living in, an, in a refugee camp in Austria. Like, there's so many stories that our families have. And, you know, I think about the, what it was like for my mom at seven to do this and what it was like for my grandparents to to have experienced and lost so much in the war and then left everything behind to come to a new country and start all over again. And they get to Montreal after a year in the refugee camp and they reestablish their lives and they're finally able to be happy. And my mom's I almost made it like another ten minutes without crying, and so my my mom's mom and her name was Lillian, so that's where, that's where I get my name. S- so she she passed away very quickly from ovarian cancer, and so there was that, and so here I have my mom. Oh, trust me, I'm going to cry worse in like in like a minute, and then I'll totally get my act together on all of this. You know, so my mom loses, you know, they finally have this life and they're established and they can enjoy things. And then my grandmother dies and my mom at this point is 16 years old. And, you know, it it, it wasn't, I feel, you know, it wasn't the life I think that they had been so excited for. And then my grandmother got sick and died pretty quickly. And I think for my my grandfather... He lost, you know, he lost his first wife in the war. And then to lose a second wife like that. I hope everyone's still with me at this point. And it's it's not something that we have really talked about. um, Or I've really shared in an open discussion. But it's definitely had a trickle effect in just... Me realizing it as I've been talking to so many of my guests, but my grandfather, just a couple months after losing my grandmother, uh, he he jumped in front of a train. So, I never got to meet my grandparents. But my mom... And my mom was actually orphaned at that point at 17. And so, trust me, when I talk about trauma and mental health and what our lives are doing and how our bodies are reacting, when I had on the guest talking about epigenetics, like, oh my goodness, like how our genetics, how trauma, how things affect our bodies. You know, it was just like a, like it just hit me, you know, that there's so much information and how people, how people are so affected in their lives by factors that they might not even consider, you know, but you kind of go through these stories. And so these are things that I think about now as I'm interviewing guests and talking to people and wanting people to make changes and look deep within themselves to find out what's happening with their bodies or their mental state or how they're reacting to things. So that, I don't know if it's a story that I just felt when you hear me interviewing people, why I'm choosing guests and why I feel a lot of these things are important. So... This was kind of some of the things that I was thinking about as I was sharing my story on this on this solo podcast. Okay, and I honestly think those are the last tears that I will have as I make my way through this. And hopefully you're still with me on this because there is so much more, so much more to come. And, I, and I'm grateful for my mom uh, who has, you know, if people want to talk about dealing with adversity and trauma and overcoming things. I just look at my mom and go, I don't know how you did it. You're 17. You're orphaned. And you have built and created this life. So when I need to be inspired and know what hard work and what adversity is, trust me, I see it every day, uh, every day. And I'm incredibly proud. But I thank my mom for letting me to share that story. That takes a lot to be able to open up that there is that in a family, right? Sometimes it's a very dark secret. And, you know, and it shouldn't be. And this, this is definitely part of, of my life. My life was actually like on an always upward trajectory. So I was decent in school, had great friends and spent most of my life in a gym uh, training four hours a day. Five days a week as a gymnast, I kind of, you know, so let's say, okay, we're doing well. We're winning championships. We're doing well. We're kind of heading to national championships. We get a scholarship. We go to UMass. We spend four great years there. We get two degrees. Oh, my God. Like, wow. Like, I am just, like, on this great little trajectory. And then I come home with these two business degrees. And so this is the story, like, how I ended up in television. I was actually about to move to Toronto to work uh, for Labatt's doing work for – um. Sports marketing, because they, they were starting to get involved in sports. When Ken of Rare, who many people will remember from here, he was a football player, he was a new anchor, came to my mom's gym because they were celebrating their 25th anniversary of the gym. And I sent out press releases and I got media there. And Ken came to do this interview and I gave him the rundown of what was going on make a long story short after the interview. And I tell people this, you know, he hands me a boss's card and says, listen, we're looking for a young female university educated, former elite athlete to be the new sports anchor. So it was like checking off every single box. And within five days, and this is just a couple of months, me coming home from university, I'm about to move to Toronto, I end up on television five days later, of which then I stayed for 20 years. So I never had to do I never filled out a resume. I never had to, I never really had to do the resume. I never had to really ask myself what it is that I wanted to do in life. I never had to sit through job interviews. I never had to be rejected that I wanted a job and didn't get. I I landed this dream job, granted that I had to work my ass off and learn so much live on air. But at 22 years old, I was handed this job working in television. And it wasn't like I had to start in a small market. Like, it's not like I had to go to like a Thunder Bay or a small town in Timbuktu. I was starting in Ottawa as a sports anchor. And so I spent my first 10 years doing sports, covering absolutely everything you could possibly imagine, getting involved in every sport, tried every single sport. And I'm going to speed this part up because a lot of people know this. Uh, you know, so I did 10 years working in sports, had Andy during that time, I got married, had Andy. And then when I was coming back from maternity leave with my second daughter with Jamie, I was informed that I was no longer going to be going to do sports, but that I would, in fact, be starting on the morning show as the weather girl. So you can imagine my first initial reaction. There was a lot of profanity. There was a lot of, I don't, first off, I have never seen the morning show because I'm not a morning person. I am a vampire. When Tony met me, he called me a vampire. Like I'm the type of person who was starting like a movie at 11 o'clock at night, right? My whole life had been like that. I was training. I, you know, I went to school, I trained from four to eight, came home, did homework, And then, you know, relaxing time was like after 11, you know. And so I was always a late person. And I was like, I can't do your morning show. I've never seen the morning show. I'm not a morning person. This is not going to work. And I don't know anything about the weather. And it was one of those, this is going to happen when you return from mat leave. And I only took six months off with each of the girls. And so I, I went and picked up a Weather for Dummies and went to the chapters and in Indigo and picked up the weather for dummies, because trust me, I didn't do that great in geography with like the cumulus clouds and whatever. You see, I can't even, it was so long ago now. And um, I booked a couple of sessions with a weather tutor, like even chatted with like David Phillips from Environment Canada and just, you know, and I just BS'd it the best I could. And with that, I was able to create the Today's the Day, which was my baby because it was, I'm um, like, if I have to do this weather thing and get up at this hour, i needed something that was more me and so i created the today's the day which was the daily reminder of one thing you can do every single day to make your life better and i had nutritionists and doctors very similar to what i then eventually expanded the living your life to be like and so i was doing that and was still really having a very difficult time getting up so the first i would say 9 months of getting up at 9:30 in the morning uh, at 3:30 in the morning was i felt like i was hungover for about a year just it just didn't didn't go well with me the schedule in any case, I was able to maneuver it. There was massive changes at the station and the next thing I know after only three months of doing the weather and stuff is that I was there were massive layoffs, changes to the newsroom, and I was made the the main host with uh, Kurt Studley at the time uh, for the show and so that was really the start which lasted almost ten years. So 10 years, and a lot of people have asked me, what is the what was the pace like? What was the morning show like? And a lot of people thought that I showed up at like 5 to 6, started the show at 6, and then as soon as the show was done, which was not till, till 9, it was not a three-hour show. It was a four-hour show at 10, and then at 10, we could go home. So let me give you the quick rundown. I got up at 3.40 a.m., 3.40 a.m., jumped in the shower, and then... After the shower, I jumped back into my pajamas or my sweatpants and got into the car. At the door were all of my bags packed, all of my outfits, all of like everything you could think of. Two changes of clothes because we always had like a guest on the show that I had to change like into phys ed stuff or into active wear. Everything was packed at the door. My lunches, the lunches had already been made for the kids and off I went. And so I got downtown. I picked up Melissa Lamb, by the way, on the way as, as we were coming in and then would get to the station, do my own hair and makeup. There was no hair and makeup, by the way, in local t- look, yeah, no hair and makeup. So I got there at four, 430, did my own hair and makeup. We were on set by five because we had to tape the news for the airport. So anytime you're at the airport and you're looking at Aero TV, or you're looking at the airport news, we were recording that at 5am. And then after the recording at 5am, then we would have our morning meetings, looking ahead to what the guests were, what the show was like, all the breakdown, looking at the headlines, what was you know trending online. And then I would run back and like touch myself up at like 10 to 6 to be able to start the show. And then the show itself went from 6 until 10. So I have literally by then been on the go since like 3.40am until 10 o'clock was like mock speed, nonstop, go, go, go. We, uh, you know, when the show was really in its fullest. We would have like eight to 10 guests a day, uh, authors, books, you know, like uh, chefs, like the the coolest guests, like the show was a ton of fun. And by, you know, a couple years in of me adjusting to the time, I, I really enjoyed it. And it was worth it for me to get up at 340 and be a part of this great team. And there was, we all really felt like a family. And so the show then would end at 10. And then we would have our post show meetings. And then as I kind of got further into my career, because I was the lead, you know, by then Kurt had left, and I was pretty much the main host. Uh, I started to do all of the additional advertising. I sat on a number of boards. So I was at board meetings. I was doing you know, commercials. And so I would really wrap up the day around one-ish. And then from there, I would be able to get to the gym for around quarter to two, got my workout in from two until just before three, because at three, I needed to pick up the kids at school. And then I would pick up the kids at school, and then they immediately would run to activities. My daughter, Jamie, at the time was also a gymnast. So I would immediately get her from school at three to 3.30 to be at practice for the next four hours. Whereas Andy was also starting to play soccer Soccer went from like we had practices that went from like eight until nine And so I was running and like finishing at nine Begging to be able to get home so that I could try to get to bed for 10 So that I could wake up again at 340 and do this all over again So when people would ask me when I napped (laughs) Or that we were done at 10 and then I would have the rest of my day That wasn't the case and I think what ended up happening Is for a number of years. It was a ton of fun. It was worth it I felt I was young, I had the energy, but I found over the years, and as I was getting into the of the, fa- the last two years, the show was changing, the guests were different, uh, a lot of it was sales-oriented, the, the fun, easy-going, play-around, non-scripted was starting to shift, the kids were getting older, activities were getting later, and I just started to feel like what else is there for me. And I started to realize that I was not mailing it in, but I really could do the show blindfolded with my hands tied behind my back and spin me around 10 times and I'd still be able to, you know, say good morning and feel pretty good and get through the show. But I felt that I was slowly dying inside. And I didn't quite like who I was becoming. I think I was becoming... Um, definitely a little bitchy, you know, morning meetings. It just, I was, I was annoyed at everything. I was aggravated. I wanted the old show. I wasn't, I'm not very good at letting go, as you'll see as the the podcast continues. Letting go was really hard for me. So when You know things were changing, and we have no control over over it. And I'm sure some of you are in your offices, or you know, management is changing, and they're expecting different things, or or some of the leeway that you had with certain projects is being taken away, and you're being wheeled in in a different direction that you don't want to go. Eventually, you start to realize, I'm not happy anymore, or this doesn't fulfill me anymore, and you start to lose a sense of of that desire to be this better person. And I started to not like who I was looking at in the mirror. And I and I could sense it, but I wasn't doing anything about it. You know, I had a good job. Why am I complaining? Every, you know, and trust me, for years, all I heard was a thousand people would do your job for free. So stop trying to renegotiate a contract. Stop thinking that you can get more out of us. Like you have no idea how many people would want this job. And so I always had to live with that, that it was a reality, right? People saw you in a very different, in a very different light. And so I just kind of swallowed that in and and kind of went with the flow. And, and then this day in, in June, I start to feel this tingling down my left arm and a pain in my chest. And having done a number of stories on heart health, And women's heart health, I am quite aware that heart disease is the number one killer for women. I'm also very aware that my dad died of a massive heart attack at the age of 57. So when I have numbness down my left arm and a pain in my chest, and I'm 42 years old, I call the doctor and say, I don't think I'm having a heart attack, but there's something legitimately wrong with me. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor... And I'm not happy about this because it's the same doctor that my dad had. And I kind of some and part of me thinks, oh, you weren't on the lookout for certain things. But he said to me, you're working out. It's you and your workouts. Did you pull a muscle? You know, I know that you like to go at the gym. Maybe you went a little bit too hard. And my response was my body is is every like I am I have known my body every aspect of it since I was five. I train it. I've competed in it. I've injured it. I've broken every body in my bone, in my every bone in my body. I know something's not right. Something's not right. And he said, listen, you know, take some Advil or something. And I think you just pulled a muscle. In any case, about four hours later, this rash started to appear in the middle of my chest. And my mom looks at me and she goes, you've got shingles. And so I immediately went back, you know, into at this point to like, you know, a clinic and got on the medicine. But it was it was too late. The, The rash had already started to appear. And I know that people get certain cases of shingles like mild or, you know, it's a dot. This was excruciating. It started in the middle of my chest and it went, as you, as people know, it it hits a nerve and and it goes the extension of the nerve. So it started in the chest and then it moved into my armpit. It went all through my armpit and then it extended all the way down to my left hand. And I actually still can't feel all of the feeling in my index finger because it hit that entire nerve line. And I was lying in bed. It was the first time I'd missed more than two days of work consecutively in the 20 years that I had been there. And I was in excruciating pain. And all I wanted to do was to chop off my left arm. It was easier if I just chopped off my left arm because it was in flames and it was killing me. And I was pacing the house all night because it's way worse at night. And I'm lying there going, my body is now telling me something. And I would lie there in the middle of the night. And I said to myself, this is my body's reacting to what my mind already knows. You're, you're, body's tired it is tired of doing the shift of 3:30 a.m. it is tired of running it is tired of how it feels and it knows that it is no longer fulfilling its duty and so i listened and I think a lot of you out there don't listen. You just keep going at the same pace, at the same pattern until you wear yourself out. And if it's not shingles, then it's diet. It's, it's something. It's a weight gain. It's sleep insomnia. It, it, it is coming out in so many different ways. And for me, it was the shingles. And it was enough of a wake-up call for me to say, this has to end. And that was the start of the process of me leaving television. With that came an enormous amount of fear, us uh, security jobs, I, I had never had to look for a job, I had never had to do a resume, I, you know, and, and let's be realistic, there's a ton of ego that goes with this. Here I am, I've been 20 years growing up on television. So this is going to be easy for me. I mean, I know everyone in the city at this point, right? Like, but the thing is, is I knew I didn't want to to go find a job, I wanted to be able to create a job. And the one thing that I knew is I was sitting on the set all the time and I was talking to these amazing guests and experts is I would have them on the set for like four, maybe five minutes. And I would be sitting there going, oh my gosh, there is so much more to this person. There's so much more to the story. There's so much more information that needs to be passed on. How is my director telling me to wrap this up in five minutes and throw to a commercial break? And I remember sitting there saying, I can tell people's stories better. I can find a different platform to be able to do this. And so I was lying there there in excruciating pain kind of going okay you're gonna jump off a cliff right now and start a new life and at least I knew that the one thing the podcast was going to be the lifesaver for me it was going to be where I strive and I thrive and I, and I aim to bring people the information so that was something I knew that I wanted to do the rest of it is where I have failed not miserably It's just that I have launched myself on a number of paths that I didn't expect to go on. And so for those of you who are considering or listening to your body or your mind or your inner gut and the gut instinct and our intuition, because trust me, they are there. They are trying to point you in the right direction. The universe is trying. If you are open to it, it is trying to be able to put you on the right path. And so this was kind of something that I had to be able to do. I had to figure out what is it that I am going to do. And I didn't do the I built a website because I'm like a personality. I like left television on a Friday. And like by Monday, I was in an office building a website. I didn't know what I was doing. I I have, for anyone who's been on there, I think my website's awesome. It's beautiful. There's like all of the health and wellness. There's the podcast, there's the blog, there's, you know, if to speak, but I created this website without actually really knowing what it is that I was doing. I was also so accustomed to training and doing things on my own. My as a gymnast, it's an individual sport, I didn't work with a team. I mean, I trained with other people, but we were always competing against each other. So I always had to train and do things by myself. And so what do I do? I go and I, you know, I'm at my computer, I'm working away because I'm a hard worker, but I'm isolating myself. And the reality is, is like, gosh, that became incredibly lonely. So, as I've learned over the last, you know, definitely the first couple of months, I didn't really quite feel it because I was still holding on so tight so tight to who I was. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is it has only been in the last couple of months that I have realized the process of letting go of who I was to become the person that I'm meant to be. And I have fought this for a good year. And I notice that now when I look at my website, and I look at the projects that I have, everything that I was doing was still a continuation of who I thought I was as the TV person. And so the work that I did, you know, I started doing this influencer work and and doing videos for companies and uh, becoming this influencer. And I had this company out of Vancouver that wanted me to be able to wrap all of these different products and and companies. And they said, you know, le- can you send us a list of twenty items, twenty things that you use, so that we can pitch to these companies, you know, for you to become this influencer, you know? And I, I honestly, this is one truth about me. I am not a consumer. I don't online shop. I am not, you know, into certain brands. I don't I don't like all the fancy name brands. Like I don't own a pair of Milano Blunds or Louis V whatever the red sole shoe is. You know, I don't have a fancy bag. Like I I like being original. And so I'm not into really products. And so they said, "Well, we need your list of 20." And I think I came up with like three things. I think it was like Vaseline because I use Vaseline on my lips. the only thing I could think of as a as a beauty product that I use was Vaseline. Um I think it was like you know, the my BOSU ball that I have in my basement, like I had such a hard time coming up with products that I could really kind of be like, yes, I use all of this. And so I really quickly realized that that path was just not for me. And then a lot of people, and this was something, the expectation of what people thought I was going to be doing. And this took control of me for a good six months. What it was that other people saw I should be doing. And so I don't know for you out there, like you have your parents and you have your your spouses and you have other people saying what you should be doing. And at the same time, it doesn't really hit home, but you think, okay, I'm going to try. So a lot of people I think originally thought I'd get into life coaching or become a trainer. And the reality was, is I loved all these things. I love living a healthy, active lifestyle. I love working out and I don't mind sharing. And I, if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I post my workouts, but I wasn't a trainer and yet people were asking me for workouts. And so then I joined up with this app, the Playbook app, and I was posting these out of New York and I, they, you know, they found me and I got into this app and then I realized I'm not a trainer. You know, there are great, educated, certified personal trainers out there who know things way better than me. I am more than happy to share what I do, but I want you to be able to get it also from those that have studied the human connect, like the human body. And so, you know, I I didn't feel right. It didn't it didn't fulfill me to be able to do that. So I kind of backtracked on that one as well. I have really enjoyed doing some of the media ready stuff and helping people find ways to be able to get onto media or tell their story. And so that's something that I've done a little bit on the side, but kind of kept that really quiet because it wasn't part of the big picture for me. And it was um, a podcast that I was doing with Stephanie Karlovitz, who, has, who was actually, as I mentioned earlier, the Today's the Day. She was one of those experts that I had that I was using on CTV Morning Live. And I had her doing the podcast. And this was about almost a year of me being into the podcast. And afterwards, she said to me, where are you going with this, Leanne? What, what is your vision? And I really couldn't answer her, her fully. And she said, I see you here working, but you're doing it by yourself, You are doing everything on your own. Where's your network? Where are your masterminds? Where are the people that you are? Like get get out of your head and to get to people who know and who've experienced this. And then I realized I've been trying to do this all by myself. I didn't set myself up for mastermind groups or being part of a community or, you know, Attaching myself to others who were in, in similar situations. And then all of a sudden, I realized I was still living in this television bubble. I was still living in the fact that I thought everyone was coming to me because in television, everyone's trying to get to you, everyone's trying to get into the door, trying to get onto the show, you know. And I just felt because I was in the bubble. I knew everything that was going on around me because everyone that was anything was getting into the show and and I was promoting them. If there was an author in town, if there was a special politician, like everything was coming to us. And I went to these two events. One was in, based on Stephanie's recommendation, I went to this thing called the Campfire Effect, which was really about figuring out how to tell your story. And I loved being there and I met some amazing people, but the reality was is as I was taking this course, I realized that I was this course. I actually could do everything that he was teaching because this is what I had done for 20 years. But with that, it it was the domino effect of, to the doors opening as to other people that were thinking in a different mindset than me. And this is what has really opened up the doors for me. And I got in uh, with this guy named Chris Winfields who runs this Unfair Advantage Live. It was an event in New York City. I get invited to go to New York City. And this was my eye-opener. This was an event for all health and wellness, pretty much, professionals that were looking to be able to create their stories so that they could build it out to be able to get on TV, radio, podcasts. And so I was sitting there, A, also as an entrepreneur now, which I had to accept that I was now an entrepreneur, which took a long time for me to get into my head because I wasn't doing a very good job at it, and to realize that all of these people out there were trying to get to exactly what it was that I was doing. And it dawned on me that just because I felt in my television bubble that everyone that was anyone was getting into me, I realized that there were a hundred other people just like those people that were also trying to get in who were just as qualified, just as interesting. And so it really became as who could break the barrier. And that's really what the the eye opener was for me is that there were so many people who were so supportive and so wanting to be able to help people and say, all right, do you have a connection here? And how can I get there? And, and it was people working together. And I, I said to them, I'm like, are you for real? Like, is this really for real? Like people are this nice and this, you know, wanting to help people and expand their networks and expand their growth and get them there? Because that's when I realized just how toxic of an environment I had been in for 20 years. It took that long for me to realize, oh my gosh, there are people who are genuinely trying to be the support system that they're asking you, what do you need from me to help you, and they were genuinely honest about it. Like they they felt good, like they were living in gratitude that they could help people. And I remember standing there in front of all of these people saying I'm the person you're all trying to get to. Or at least I was for, for a long time. And let me tell you, like, I'm so sorry that I didn't realize there were so many wonderful, amazing people out there that I was so close-minded to it because you're all amazing and you all deserve to be on TV and doing interviews and sharing your information. So it was the start for me to realize what mentorship meant, what being part of a community meant, what giving of yourself meant, what, you know doing work not necessarily like it wasn't about doing work for free but it was realizing that you could do something for someone and it was going to come back tenfold in a different opportunity that you hadn't even expected and they have been some of the best guests that I've had uh, on the podcast now you know because I got to meet some of these people and realize just because they live in Wyoming or if they live somewhere else they have great things to be able to share and so that was one of the things that I think really was critical for me is is becoming part of a community. And I didn't do that right away. And I wish that I had. And part of a business networks, you know, there are people who are wanting to be able to help you. And don't be close minded to that. I think we're stubborn. And I think as I mentioned earlier, we are so lonely as solopreneurs, as entrepreneurs, like I went from seeing 20, 30 people a day, easily. New people, strangers, you know, people coming in the building. I was constantly meeting people. And then all of a sudden, I was in my kitchen. Like, I was in my kitchen like me. Like, no fancy outfits, no having to do my hair and makeup, no new clothes. That has been a major adjustment for me, by the way, is I had a clothing allowance for 20 years, and I had to wear a different outfit every day. And now you'll find me in the same pair of leggings and the same sweater and my hair in a bun. But to say this is that the loneliness is I think what killed me the most. And it wasn't that I wasn't being social. It's that it was the time for me to live in my head. And that is the killer. Because we are our own worst critics. We are our own worst enemies. And all we have is the mean girl talking to in our head, saying we're not good enough. We're not strong enough. We should have done this. We didn't do this. And all I could hear was the negativity of me sitting there trying so hard to be able to build something with my own my own thoughts, dismantling anything that I was actually trying to achieve. And the loneliness, I think it was my was my biggest mistake for so long is that I allowed the voice in my head to be my companion. And it was like an enemy the entire time that I was doing this. And it was keeping me up at night. It was blocking me from doing things that I was too scared to do because in my head I was telling myself I wasn't good enough to do it or I had been out too long or people weren't going to see me in the same way as I was. And so that mean girl took total control over me. And that mean girl was also the one that would sit on Instagram and then compare myself to everyone else who would look like they were doing everything that I was trying to do. And so we live in this comparison world where we're comparing ourselves to everyone else on social media, which is an absolute killer And we don't know where those other people are in their journey. There's one thing to realize that social media is using us um, as the highlight reel. It's another to realize that you don't know where in this journey that person is. Have they been at this for five years behind closed doors before they launched this project? Are they two months in? Are they 10 years in? And so I had to learn to be able to stop. And how do you stop the voices? And it took sleepless nights. Actually, no, I could get to sleep because I was tired. But I would get up between two and four every night. And two and four is the witching hour. And the witching hour is what stressed me out beyond belief. It's what changed my mood. Like I was so excited about this opportunity. And then slowly I started to realize that I was faking it and anxious and stressed. And it wasn't so much about the money. It's that I wasn't finding what it was that I was meant to be able to do. And it wasn't until I finally between two and four and not sleeping was begging myself to try to be able to deal with this voice in my head that wasn't allowing me to get through the days or to get through the nights and feel good about what it was that I was doing. And that's when I started into the meditation. Now, it took about a year and a bit of me interviewing guests on the show, doctors, naturopaths, Ayurvedic medicine, uh, therapists, every different guest that I had on who would constantly come back to healthy exercise, mobility, uh, healthy eating, diet, Self-care, meditation, mindfulness. And I would pretty much sit there, and go, Okay, hey, like I'm doing awesome, right? I'm fit, I work out every day, I eat well, you know, if I can, I, I do the self-care. I'll find some time to take a bath or a really long shower or hide in my closet. Like, trust me. And by the way, in my closet's like a room. And so I was okay on the self care also. And so I was like, three out of four ain't bad. And that's pretty good odds. And If I could tell myself that the meditation mindfulness was actually the critical factor in all of this, that the rest of it was just, you know, that was, that was just the, the end factors, I would have, I would now choose the meditation mindfulness first. And in doing that, I had to realize, okay, how do I do this? And so I kind of went back to, okay, as an athlete, you have to, you have to practice, And so you're a beginner. I am like a legit beginner. I have never sat for more than three seconds without thinking, you know, or thinking that I can just rest my, you know, my mind. But trust me, this mind needed to be tamed because it was a devil. Like my brain was the devil. And I, and I still battle it, but I am much better at it now. So once I had the awareness that there was a voice in my head that was constantly talking to me, it wouldn't shut up. It would just keep, keep rolling. I should have, I should have, I could have, I didn't. If I do, then this is going to happen in the future. If I do, I would play out scenarios. Well, if I did this, then this, 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 this is going to happen. So I'm not even going to try. So it was either past. It was either future. And nothing became what I was doing in the present moment. So I got on that Headspace app. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. I know you see it pop up in your your feeds. So Headspace was the one that I went to. And they said, just start with three minutes. So I started with three minutes. And as you can imagine, I was sitting there for three minutes going, this is such a waste of my time. I don't have three minutes to be able to do this. Someone's going to like, what am I doing? Okay, I'm trying to be able to think. Okay, let's think. Let's think. Okay, no, we're not thinking. Oh, wait, what are we thinking? What am I going to make for dinner? I should have gone. I didn't go pick up the kids this. So I would spend the three minutes sitting there thinking about all the things that I needed to do, that I didn't do, that I should have done. And I'm like, okay, well, that was a waste But I did the three minutes and so you kind of check it off and day one is done. And then I went back for day two and same thing, right? It's like, okay, let's try this again. It was like, and as I was sitting there, I would actually come up with all the list of things that I need to get done as soon as the three minutes were over. But I stuck with it. And this is the key. I stuck with it. I was so desperate so desperate. And I think we need to get to that level, right? You just you're desperate for change, you're desperate to feel different to be different. And I just stuck with it. And the three minutes eventually went to five minutes. And then I could get through the five minutes. And even if it was like 30 seconds of me finding like that calmness, that 30 seconds was almost like the addiction right there. I was like, I got to 30 seconds of feeling nothing, or just a calmness, a no thoughts. And so that three minutes, and then the five minutes, and then I got to 10 minutes. And then it was about six weeks in, I noticed that I was sleeping. I noticed that the witching hour between two and four wasn't as long. I started to realize that the two to four, maybe I woke up, but I could get back to sleep. And that my head didn't start spinning and keeping me up and making me nauseous of all the thoughts that were going through my head. And so I started to sleep better. And then I started to sleep through. And then I went from the 10 minutes and going, this is actually starting to work. And then I was able to get to 20 minutes. And by the 20 minute mark, I started to feel this different vibration in my body. I started to feel like I had an energy that was starting to shift and that I wasn't so blocked off to absolutely everything and any possibility. And I started to feel different. And I started to be like, this, this must be what they're talking about. And I'm still a beginner. So how awesome is it going to be if I keep at this, and then I can start to see what other people are talking about, and that their energy shifts, their, their body, their, their reactions to things change. And you can read a ton of things on meditation, and I highly recommend it. And and I'm going to definitely start to bring in more guests that are talking about this. But it isn't so much about what you're doing in the meditation itself. It's how you then react to the reality of the world that's being presented to you. So a lot of people will say, well, what are you doing in the meditation? And it's the work that we do to be able to just come back to being present. And you know, your thoughts are going to go off to a million places. But if you can gently remind yourself to just come back into your breath or to come back into a different way of thinking, eventually, in the real life, when I'm reacting to situations, or I have self doubt, or I have the voice in my head talking to me, I'm I'm able to say to this voice in my head, is it real? Are you just trying to keep me busy? Are you trying to just stop me from what it is that I'm supposed to be doing? And then I can let these thoughts come and go much differently than I could a year ago, or six months ago. And it's such a really cool thing. And maybe it's the athlete in me. Maybe it is that in that I know if I train, and I practice, I'm going to get better. But my gosh, like it has been amazing. And it doesn't happen on its own. I wanted to let people know about some of the books that I had read. Um, Michael Singer wrote a book called The Untethered Soul. And that was for me, the book that started this whole process for me. Uh, And a lot of it is just about letting go. And I realized a lot of this was just about me letting go of who it was that I thought I was and realizing that that's not who I really am. And, that book really changed things for me in that I became much more dedicated to the practice. But then he had a second book and I don't usually do this, like finish a book and go to another one. Well, you do like when it's like the hunger games and stuff. Right. But in this sense, uh, and then he wrote this surrender experiment was, which was really just about giving in. He lived his life and it was pretty much like a 40 year span of him just giving in to what the world was throwing at him. Like he just, you know, whatever was presented is what he did and how it led him to a, a life of, unbelievable fulfillment and joy and wealth and like it his story was just so remarkable that I just I I, I fell in love with it like I honestly fell in love with this way of thinking of of realizing that we are in control of our thoughts and out of all the things that we are able to do we can control our thoughts we can choose a certain thought and that was the big wake-up call for me and so from there, I started to read, and I just posted this one, but ten percent happier. So Dan Harris, who is um, a news correspondent, uh, you know, morning show host, uh, you know, covered war zones and Emmy winner, he wrote this book, and I loved it because I could, I, I, knew his life. I knew what it was like in the newsroom. I knew what his, and he's like also one of those people who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole meditation, this woo woo stuff, because meditation definitely has like bad PR, right? We sometimes see it as like just a Buddha or a guy wrapped in white with like long beards and like you know sitting in a position letting. Like, really, how many of us can really sit in that position for very long, right, with cross legs and arms out? And he put an amazing spin on it and how the meditation changed his life. And his book is called The 10% Happier. But if you want kind of real life, real logistical good examples of what it does and how it shifts our brain and our thinking, that was also a really good book uh, for you to purchase. So those are the ones that I've actually been doing it like right now. Now, the one thing I do want to mention is this time management aspect of if you are on your own, if you're looking to be able to create projects, lists, gosh, I make lists like crazy only because I want to feel like I've accomplished something. So like when I make my list, it's not like, you know, it's not like a grocery list, but it's like email back so-and-so, so-and-so, and -and and -and so-and-so, make this call, pick up this. And I find that if I make lists, then I can check things off, then I feel accomplished. Like, it's not like I have a boss to report to. It's not like I have to be, I have a deadline. Well, I do, I have the deadlines with the podcast, but I realized that I had to be accountable to something. And so I feel accomplished when I have tasks that I've done as basic as they are, but that I can, I can cross them off and to be able to do that. I'm grateful for the tribe of people that I have met that believe in the work that we're doing, even though I quite haven't figured out exactly the who it is that I need to be to be able to have the life that I want but I have a group of people now that I can talk to about it and you might find and I will be honest you might find that the people you thought were going to be the biggest support system are not those people and it's not that they don't want to be or it's not that they are trying not to be it's just you're you're changing you are changing your thought process is your goals your mindset and it's not like those relationships are that different, but they shift and they change and your expectations need to change. And that took me a long time to to be able to let go of, uh, to accept. And then to be open to the new relationships. There are people that I am now close to and can share things with and will go and brainstorm ideas and, and go through concepts that I never would have ever thought in my lifetime that they would be people that are now part of my tribe. And it's like this really... It's like this like a pro and a con and like two two pros and one, you know, like is letting go of one expectation and then being open to another one. So for those of you who think that, OK, well, so-and-so has promised me a job or oh, yeah, so-and-so said oh, I'll be able to get a job. No problem. Just give me a call. I can almost guarantee you that all of those people that said, yeah, give me a call. I've got something for you. I totally can help you out. I'm going to. I'm going to put some money on it that those are likely not going to be the people that are going to be the ones that actually get you to the point that you want to be. So be open to that concept as well. And I wouldn't have known all these things had I not actually gone through it. But now that I'm connecting the dots in different ways, uh, it's really interesting to see what happens when you actually kind of open yourself up. Fear, comparison, mentorship. I think those are the really the ones I wanted to be able to hit on which I think I've, I've kind of, I've gotten there. And I only say that because I didn't think that I was actually going to make like a full hour and I'm actually going to go, I am I think I might go right into that hour mark. This was really different for me. I hope you kind of got something out of it. The one thing that I'm learning is we need to be able to share our roadmaps. We are all on our own journey and we are so conditioned to block or be competitive, or just because we're on our journey that the person next to us can enjoy and be and enjoy it the same way and have the same success. We always think that there's not enough to go around. Or if I if they get there first, then that means it's not going to happen for me. And I am starting to realize as my energy is shifting, that the universe is so big, it has so much power, that there's that there's enough for all of us that there's enough for all of us to support each other and grow and fulfill our our dreams and probably be able to do it better by supporting each other in doing so and that has had to change for me even in how i respond to people or offer up advice or offer up you know assistance in certain things i've started you know to just be more open to to doing that kind of thing and and someone suggested it's con- it's almost it's almost like a treasure map we are all trying to find the treasure we are all trying to find this this treasure that's that we think is going to give us you know all of the fruits and and labors and money and wealth and happiness and family and health. And the thing is we all have the same treasure map, except we're all coming at it from different directions. But if we all like work together and share our maps, then we might realize that this guy's got a mountain here that he figured out how to get by. And that's the same mountain that's off in the corner of your map. But if you're going to get there, they have got some great tips to be able to share so that maybe it doesn't take you as long. And if we're able to share our roadmaps, we might all just end up enjoying the treasure together. And that is what I'm hoping to do and hoping to accomplish definitely with this podcast because... We can share and inform and let people know our own experiences so that you might be able to deal with yours a little bit different. Definitely with the health and wellness people, I am really trying to help people make better decisions so that they can be around for their daughter's wedding and that they can be around to enjoy golfing in their retirement. And that is my mission, that those are the things that I want people to be able to do and live by when they're listening to it. And so I hope you kind of get that sense that that is what we're trying to do with the Living Your Life podcast. I will get around to kind of making it grow and get bigger. But just knowing like, with the response that I get from people that you're able to do it and listen and take something out of it, then that that's fulfilling for me, right? That's filling my cup. That's that's giving me another like little step on my treasure map. And I think that's how I've started to really able to look at things. And I'm just kind of keep grinding away, right? The podcast is going. I didn't even hit on the health and wellness cruise and the wellness cruise that we did in the Denny because I have been talking. I did not realize I could talk this long. I did a four-hour show, but I always had guests. And, you know, there's lots of great projects, but I do know at the end of all of this uh, that we can all just make each other's lives and fulfill each other's lives in so many different ways. And I'm doing that when I get up in the morning. It's like, who's the guest going to be and what are we going to talk about? And I want to thank people for being on this journey with me I didn't end up, you know, being this massive media consultant or speaking on different stages, but I'm, I'm getting there. Like I am getting to a point where I feel really good about the stories and the person that I'm turning into because I've had to let go of a lot. I see events that I used to host that I'm not allowed to host anymore because it needs to be a certain sponsor and certain people out front on stage. And I've, I've had to start to realize I did that. It was me for 20 years and now it's someone else's turn to be able to do it because I have a different treasure map in my hand that I'm, I'm off to find. And I'm going to leave you again with the with the, the quote that I started with. Well, not the quote. It's not my do not pray for an easy life, pray to be a strong person. It's not that one. But it was the one that reminded me of why I'm doing this and why I stepped so far out of my comfort zone to be able to do a solo podcast, which, by the way, I will do more of, I think, when I can talk about certain guests and certain things and topics that are happening. But, but... What do I need to be? Who is it that I want to be? Who is it that you want to be? Like, what do you want in this life most? And then figure out how it is that you're going to do that so you can have the life that you want and the life that you can have and all of the things that you can dream of because we can all get there. I'm going to say start with meditation. I'll leave it there. I had to say it. I had to say it. It is like the game changer for me. Okay, that is going to be a wrap on this 100th this 100th episode of living your life with leanne lang i can't wait for the next 100 and then the 100 after that and then i can't wait for it to be like oh my god it's like number one on apple you never know but you know what the voice in my head is gonna say don't listen don't listen to the mean girl you never know what we can accomplish thanks to everyone for your support and i am truly grateful i am living in gratitude to know that people are tuning in and listening so thank you for that and i'll be back next week with episode 101 Have a great day. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness,